Hi again, everybody. I'm Dan Horde, and thanks for downloading the Bengals Booth Podcast. The I believe, I believe, I believe, hey. I believe, I believe, I believe, hey. I believe, I believe, I believe, hey. I believe, I believe, Addition, as the Bengals climb into first place in the AFC North with a stunningly dominant win in Baltimore. Coming up, you'll hear radio replays from the victory, post-game comments from players and coaches, and analysis from my broadcast partner, Dave Lapham. And in this week's Fun Facts segment, you'll get to know a Bengals veteran who I truly believe will eventually be an NFL head coach, safety Ricardo Allen. The Bengals Booth Podcast is presented by Ultimate Bengals, the free-to-play next-level fantasy football game. Download it now from the App Store and Google Play. And here's a quick reminder that you can have the latest edition of this podcast delivered right to your phone, tablet, or computer by subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. It's the greatest thing since bold lettering on hotel beauty care products. If you wear glasses, you know what I'm talking about. There are few things more annoying than climbing into a hotel shower and not being able to read which bottle is the shampoo, which one's the conditioner, and which one is the body lotion. So, kudos to the Baltimore Marriott for big, bold lettering on the various beauty products. And thanks for respecting your four-eyed guests like me. Now, let's get to Sunday's Baltimore beatdown. Heading into the game, there were four quarterbacks in history who had started at least four games against the Bengals without ever losing. Listen to this list. John Elway went 7-0. Joe Montana, 6-0, including a pair of Super Bowls. Dan Marino also went 6-0. And prior to Sunday, Lamar Jackson was 5-0. That list has been whittled to three. The Bengals and Ravens traded early field goals before Cincinnati ended a streak of two games against Baltimore without scoring a touchdown. Burrow under center, Mixon lined up seven yards behind. They fake a handoff to the left. Burrow rolls to the right, guns it deep down the middle of the field. Uzama makes the catch at the 25, escapes a hit, running between the hash marks. Touchdown, Bengals! Burrow deep to Uzama, and Cincinnati takes the lead on a 55-yard touchdown strike. Man, you talk about making the play down the football field, the catch, and then making Marlon Humphrey miss in space. Uzama's long TD grab gave the Bengals a 10-3 lead and came on his favorite holiday. Hey, it's National Tight End Day. You got to make something happen, right? Like, you can't just can't let anybody else have all the fun. And I, I got to say this, too. Even though I caught the touchdown, if you look at the play, Drew had to block Calias Campbell one-on-one and did a hell of a job. I mean, I, I got to give it to him because that was if, – if he didn't block him the way he did, then I, Joe would have not been able to get the ball off. So that touchdown's for Drew for sure because that one-on-one that he had with Calias, that, that's, that's what allowed me to get open. Drew, of course, being Uzama's fellow tight end, Drew Sample. The Bengals' lead didn't last as the Ravens answered with a TD drive of their own. Lamar Jackson will move under center. We'll see if he keeps the ball on a run. High formation backfield behind him. Second and goal from the one. Lamar hands it off, and the Ravens run it into the end zone for the touchdown. Devontae Freeman's score tied the game at 10, but left 151 on the clock. Abundant time for Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase 
to work their end of half magic. Very, very noisy here at M&T Bank Stadium with 32 seconds left in the half. Burrow back to throw from the pocket. Yeah. Fires nice. a line drive over the middle. Caught by Chase. Running to the 25. Near sideline to the 20. Hurdles a defender and goes out of bounds to stop the clock with 24 seconds left at the 19-yard line. Chase in the final two minutes of the half strikes again. That 26-yard catch led to a field goal by Evan McPherson that gave the Bengals a 13-10 halftime lead. It's the fifth time in seven games that Cincinnati has scored in the final 37 seconds of the half, and Chase has either caught a touchdown pass or made a big catch to set up a field goal every time. Here's Joe Burrow. We were talking about it. You know, two minutes before the half gets us going again. So we're playing all right up to that point. You know, we weren't playing great. And then, you know, that two-minute drive really propelled us going into the into the half. And after that, you know, we came into the locker room. It was like, you know, we got them now. But before Burrow and the offense could get them, Baltimore opened the third quarter with back-to-back passes of 35 and 39 yards to take the lead. He's back to throw on first and 10. He's going to fire for the end zone. And Hollywood Brown, he calls it in. And it is a touchdown. What a he got throw. his feet down in the back of the end zone as Lamar Jackson floats one over the Bengals' defense for a 39-yard TD. The Ravens were up 17-13, and while Lamar Jackson passed for 257 yards and ran for 88 more, Baltimore did not score on its final seven drives. Here's Zach Taylor. He's so dangerous. You know, every time he extends a play, um, you know, he's capable of, of running for an explosive player, throwing it down the field for an explosive play, and he's just such a tremendous player. But I'm really proud of the way that our whole defense responded, and, you know, that, that, was, that was a big, big, big deal for them to play like that today. After Baltimore pulled ahead, Joe Burrow threw a 17-yard pass to Chase, handed off to Joe Mixon for five yards, found Chase again for 21, and then... Gave the Bengals the lead for good. Three receivers right, Chase out to the left. Burrow catches the shotgun snap, fires downfield, caught at the 15 by Uzama, breaks a tackle, and runs it into the end zone. Second (laughs) touchdown of the game. Uzama fires the football against the wall in the end zone, and the Bengals take the lead on a 32-yard strike up the seam to C.J. Uzama. He said, you know what? You didn't stop it the first time. You're not going to stop it the second time. The Bengals were up 20-17. to The Ravens quickly drove into field goal range before Trey Hendrickson knocked them out of it. Jackson in the shotgun, Bell off his right hip. Lamar looking left, now looks back toward the middle. He's running, he gets sacked from behind by Trey Hendrickson. The Bengals sacked Lamar Jackson five times. Burrow was only sacked once. And Hendrickson is up to six and a half sacks in his first seven games with Cincinnati. That's one thing, like you see five sacks, but I mean, I can't say enough about the guys in the back end. Uh, Mike, Vaughn, Jesse, Cheeto, Eli stepping up. I mean, those guys are making opportunities for us to rush, and that's what complete defense is. It's we're, One of these games, it's going to be we're hitting the quarterback and they're picking the ball off. So that's what you, that's what you strive for as a defense. We're playing like a unit. Like I said, for weeks now, this is special. We're building something that's special, and uh, like I said, this is a stepping stone to where we want to go as a defense and a team. The Bengals got the ball back and only needed three plays to score again. Bengals have three receivers left and one out to the right. Burrow in the gun on third and two. He'll look to pass. Quick throw. Slant caught by Chase. Runs to the 30. Breaks out of the pass. He's sprinting down the middle of the field. The Ravens 40. Pulling away at the 30. 20. 10. Touchdown. How great is Jamar Chase. 82 yards to the 
house. Chase finished with eight catches for 201 yards, both career highs. His 754 receiving yards after his first seven NFL games are the most by any player in history. I can say today I surprised myself, you know, putting up those stats, 201 yards. Something you dream of, but you don't go into the game actually telling yourself you're about to do it, you know what I'm saying? Um, so I just came out here and played the best ball I can today and make, try to make plays. Burrow finished with a career-high 416 passing yards and didn't have any in the fourth quarter. His timing and chemistry with Chase is simply ridiculous. We've been together for a, a long time. You know, I've been throwing with him on Saturdays since I was 21 years old. So that's, that's what happens when you get all those reps accumulated. You understand the kinds of throws against leverage. You know, they were playing on top in press. And so that's what opened up the back shoulder balls today. And we've, we've thrown back shoulders for, for three years and thrown them over and over and over again. And that's what it takes to, to feel confident in those kind of throws is just reps and reps and reps. The Bengals turned the game into a rout and sent Baltimore fans streaming toward the exits with more than seven minutes to go with a pair of long touchdown runs. Second down and three on the verge of the red zone at the 21 of Baltimore. Mixon back in at running back. Burrow hands it to Joe, starts left, on, Joe. finds a hole up the middle. Come Between on, Joe. the hash marks, it's 10, 5, yeah. goal line, and oh. touchdown! Yeah, baby. Yeah. <laughs> Joe Mixon! Oh. Racing up the middle of the field for a 21-yard TD, and the Bengals are on the verge of a 17-point fourth-quarter lead in Baltimore. Burrow hands it off. P. Ryan finds a hole up the middle. Samaje streaking into the clear. Forget about it. (laughs) Coffin nails. Bam, bam, bam. And I'm telling you what, Dan, that was the most unbelievable double team I've ever seen. Trey Hopkins and Quentin Spain took a defensive lineman 10 yards down the field and planted him. I mean, the, the cutback lane was humongous for Samaj P. Ryan. They dominated the interior of the Baltimore Ravens defensive line, which I did not think was going to happen on any snap today. And holy mackerlandy. Woo. What do you like more, Raven route or Baltimore butt kicking? <laughs> They both apply. It is 40 to 17. Unbelievable. Cincinnati ended a streak of five straight losses to Lamar Jackson and the Ravens by the final score of 41 to 17. Let that sink in. 41 to 17. Did that make a statement? Here are Joe Burrow, CJ Uzama, and Sam Hubbard. I think it was a big statement. You know, we're 2 0 in the division for you know, the first time that I can remember. And, you know, I was. You know, the most exciting thing were two of the last three drives where, you know, they knew we were going to run the ball, and, and the O-line really, you know, took it to them. That was exciting to see. I know those guys were fired up about that, so that's that's how you should finish a game. You start out throwing the ball, getting out up on top, and then the O-line finishes it off. On the sideline, I, I was I was honestly a little emotional with how, with how like, connected we were. You know, you, you see everyone just... I mean, everyone's juiced for every single person out there. And it, I mean, that's what it's all about, having fun, being with the boys and, and playing ball. So I think it's the start of something new, something good. We had a, a long period of time where we couldn't figure out how to win on the road. And we kind of got over that hump. And, um, you know, these divisional games, they're huge, you know, to, to finish the way we did and 
uh, not allow them to come back into it and have that killer instinct is just so huge for us uh, as a team. Uh, what we've come from, how we've progressed, and you know where we've always envisioned ourselves getting and finally seeing it happen today. After the game, Dave Lapham spent five minutes with Zach Taylor. Coach, 41 points, 28 unanswered. I mean, <laughs> your football team came to Baltimore and, and just made a huge statement, didn't you? They believe in each other. They believe that they can go on the road and beat really good football teams, and, and now this is just more evidence of that. And uh, so, again, I'm really proud of the, the collective effort of our entire team today because we were going to need it, and, and we got it from them. So your, your LSU connection, your quarterback throws for 416, and his receiver catches the ball for 201 yards, <laughs> eight catches for 201. Joe's 23 for 38 after starting like two for seven. He's 23 for 38. Unbelievable. What do you think about uh, their their performance out there? Yeah, I'm, I'm glad we have them, you know, because they are they're one of the best connections in the in this league, and they're just getting started, you know. And so, um, again, to, to be able to rely on on that receiving core and that running game and our quarterback, who's who's as accurate as they come, is uh, really fun for a play caller uh, to be able to enjoy those weapons. C.J. Uzama, three catches for 91 yards and two touchdowns. I know it wasn't the same play, but he did the same thing, you know, juking a guy and, and taking it to the house. How, how well is he playing right now? Awesome. You know, he's just Mr. Reliable. His number's not always called. He doesn't have 10 catches in a game or any of that, but um, he just does all the dirty work, and then when, a, when his name's called, he makes the play. That's awesome to see. So they start the game with seven and eight guys in the box, and they're bringing every – you don't know which ones they're bringing, how many they're bringing, and all that stuff. But you, over time – got him out of that and then you somehow got the middle of the field wide open you guys started abusing the middle of the football field take me through that progression well we, we just had some miscommunication early you know some things that uh we knew were going to be challenging and they got us on the first drive there but um, you know we got a lot of weapons and so we can stay in attack mode and and force teams to have to respond to what we're doing and and that's what our guys just allow us to do and, and we kind of stayed in that mode and our guys responded well how about in a huge game a division rival on the road who's 5-1 and one and in first place. Your first penalty occurs in the fourth quarter, one penalty for five yards. Your first sack occurs in the fourth quarter. Your first turnover occurs in the fourth quarter. You guys are playing like error-free football. That's what it takes, isn't it? It is. You know, our, our, we got a smart, disciplined football team, and that's the kind of men we want in this locker room, and they've, they've played that way. And it, it helps you win games because there's those little moments during the course of the game when a penalty kills you or a turnover or a sack kills you, and our guys stay away from that stuff, and um, it's awesome. 28 unanswered points. You know, when, when you started getting on that role as a play caller, does your, your sheet get huge? I mean, is it like you can almost close your eyes and, and pick one out? Our guys were just playing with such confidence that it gets that way. We don't have to call some things we haven't called. We can just stick with what's working. But our guys at that point just have confidence that everything's going to work and they know how to execute it and they have that confidence. And uh, that's, that's a scary thing when you've got that. The one uh, red zone drive, Joe took a sack and then he had the turnover. But the defense said, Joe, you've carried us the whole game. I got your back. And, and the fourth down stops. They had like four, three of them down the stretch. I think they went one for four on fourth down and just like three three turnovers. You actually lose the turnover battle minus one, but those three fourth down stops more than negate that. But how about your defense, the way they responded? Tremendous. Hold them to 17 points, five sacks. I think that's the most tied for the most Lamar's ever been sacked. So, again, they just and, – and that's top down. That's coverage all the way down to the front. That's coaching, putting those guys in a, in a great plan and uh, really going over the details all week and our guys believing in it. And it's a special thing to watch when that happens.
you know, it's interesting to watch watch the guys on the plane, on the buses, in the hotel. Honestly, going going to take care of business. We're going to go take care of this football game. Every single guy, just and I'm not I'm not saying it was like you know arrogance or anything. Like that it's just we believe. Yeah, they believe. You know, and and there's enough evidence that they should believe. You know, because they put in the work. Um, they keep raising the standard each week on what it should look like. And, and we, we got much bigger days ahead. This is not – we're going to reflect back on this, and this is something we needed to do, beat Baltimore on the road. Um, but we know that we got to continue to win and put ourselves in position to do some really big things later on. If the playoffs were to start tomorrow, and they're not going to, you have seven games in, though, you guys, first place in the AFC North, the number one seed in the AFC for the playoffs, tracking in the right direction, Coach. We put ourselves in a really good position through – Eight, whatever, how many games we played, seven games. Um, we have to keep this up because plenty of teams have not handled this position the right way. We've seen them over the past couple years, and, and we just got to make sure that we respond appropriately. Appreciate your time. Appreciate uh, what, what you're doing. I know the, the fans of Cincinnati are jacked up, to say the least. That's awesome. We're happy for them, and, uh, again, we just got to keep it up. Thanks, Coach. Thanks, Dave. Up next, a road game against the struggling New York Jets, who fell to 1-5 and five on Sunday with a 54-13 loss to the Patriots. The Bengals are an early 9.5-point favorite next weekend. The Bengals Booth Podcast is presented by Ultimate Bengals, the free-to-play fantasy football game. Ultimate Bengals will be awarding a weekly winner during the course of the season with tickets, autographed merchandise, and money-can't-buy experiences all up for grabs. Find Ultimate Bengals in the app stores now. Now, time for post-game analysis with Lap. Lap, uh, words are the tools of our profession, but I find myself <laughs> not quite sure what to say. Have the Bengals arrived after winning by 24 points in Baltimore? Boy, if the, if they haven't, they're well into the journey. They're on the on the way to arrival. I mean, they shook up a 55-gallon drum of butt whip and sprayed it all over the Baltimore Ravens. It, it, was, it was unbelievable. It was, it was entertaining to watch them take apart the Ravens the way they did, offensively and defensively. I mean, they, they played complimentary football. They supported each other's efforts to the, to the nth degree. They played smart football. They didn't make mistakes. One penalty for five yards. The penalty occurs in the fourth quarter first sack and the first the only turnover of the game occurs in the fourth quarter when the game's in hand I mean they played they played really really sound football I think the date was December 22nd 2018 destined to go down as one of the most important days in franchise history the Bengals lose in overtime in Miami they wrap up the number one pick in the NFL draft and they secure Joe Burrow he is special in so many ways he is I mean it's almost like it's almost impossible to say how important he is to what's going on here. I mean, his tentacles reach everything, everything. The ripple effect that he has on everybody in the, in the organization, not just on his teammates, but everybody in the organization is astounding. I mean, he's, I, I, I've heard, you know, many times Mike Brown refer to Kenny Anderson as the most important player in franchise history, which is a, a very, very worthy designation. But this dude, after where they were, is most most important player part two. I mean, he is the guy, and and he he means everything to everything they're doing. He really does. 
They hold the Ravens to 17 points. They were fifth in the NFL in scoring defense going in. They'll probably climb a spot or two after doing that. They haven't given up more than 25 in a game this year. I think at this point, even though they haven't faced a bunch of prolific offenses, that we can safely say this is one of the better defenses in the NFL, right? Uh, yeah. I mean, they, they – um, <laughs> even when they – there was that little stretch where they gave up back-to-back 30-plus yard passes and a 25-yard play to boot in there. You know, they, they recover from that. It's not like they, they don't collapse, they don't fall apart, they don't panic, you know. They stay they stay patient. I mean, I think it's uh, – there's so much trust and belief that's going on uh, that that the players know what they're supposed to do. They know their – they feel like they know their teammates know what they're supposed to do. They feel like they know their coaches are going to give them a game plan that's going to put them in the best possible sit- situation to win football games. I mean, the trust and belief is going at all levels, back and forth, and that's that's what it that's really what it takes. Um, and you know, when when teammates care about each other, that's when you can have special seasons. You know, and, and it seems like that's the case. These guys, you know, if, when a big play is given up, they're they're not mad. They're just communicating to each other. You know, what do I need to do? Nobody's like, you know, chewing on anybody or anything like that. It's like, uh, what, how do how do we prevent this from happening again? You know, and it, it's like, and I do. I've said this before, but I can vividly remember it. It's like, okay, on this play, if I don't do my job, you know, I'm going to let so and so down. I got to make sure that I get it done. And, you know, I'm at the point of attack. I got to get it done. I got to do it, not just for me, but for, you know, this guy on this side of me, this guy on this side of me, and this guy behind me. I mean, it's that's that's when you know that, you know, when guys are caring about each other like that, that's when you know you have a special group. Since the NFL went to eight divisions of four teams, if you start five and two, you make the playoffs 74% of the time. Now, that might change a little bit now that you've got a 17-game schedule instead of 16, but the fact of the matter is, Teams at this position generally make it, and they've got road wins in the bank at Pittsburgh and at Baltimore. Are you shocked by where things stand after seven games? Like you were talking about, Dan, they're double-digit wins, you know? I mean, mm-hmm. it's not just eking them out. It's like, gotcha, you know, and gotcha good. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm really impressed. I, I thought I, I felt good about today's game, but I thought it was going to come down to, you know, somebody's got to make a play or two in the fourth quarter here. You know, it's going to be one of those kind of games. I mean, it, it was worse than Detroit in terms of guys coming out and guys finishing up and, you know, garbage time. And it's like, I, I can't believe that I'm witnessing this in Baltimore against a 5-1 and one football team that was leading the division going in. Just took them apart. I mean, disassembled them. It was, it was as good an effort as I've seen from this organization in a long time. So about two series into the game, I think it was in a commercial break, you kind of turned to me and said, I don't know if this is going to work out. They're getting a lot of pressure on Joe Burrow. And that rapidly got better. What did the offensive line do today? Yeah, I mean, it, it was it was interesting. It was like they, they, made a, they made a couple of plays. The offensive line progressively got better with the twists and the stunts and recognition of who to, who to pick up and why and all that sort of stuff. And then Joe started making some throws and one-on-ones to the outside. And at that point, you know, Wink blinked. You know, Wink changed a little bit. He changed what he was doing. And I was hoping he might see that again, you know. And, and he, I'm not saying that he... He took all his cards off the table, but he was much less aggressive. And then, and then they started just attacking the middle of the football field. They made a bunch of plays in the middle of the football field once they started one, winning their one-on-ones on the outside. Because now it's like, oh, I got to help with the safety. I, I, they, they're not winning. You know, they're beating us over there. 
So now in the middle of the field comes wide open and CJ starts making plays and Boyd makes everybody's making plays in the middle of the football field. It's like they got a lot of weapons. They got a lot of weapons at the disposal and uh, you know that's 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 one thing. If you don't know how to use them, it doesn't matter. And they're starting to really figure out with the quarterback and you know Zach uh, communication with the quarterback all on the same page of how to use those guys. Now it's going to get scary. Eight catches, 201 yards for Jamar Chase, including an 82-yard touchdown. I can't believe how good he is. I mean, chased by Marlon Humphrey today, one of the best defensive backs in the NFL. It was no contest. I know. I talked to him a little bit in the locker room afterwards, Dan, and I'm like, you know, you know, are you, are you surprised at this stage that you're putting up the numbers that you are? And he goes... I'm surprised, I guess, it was, it's, you know, as easy as it seems to be. He goes, I know it's not that easy, but he said, I heard Humphrey saying in an interview this week that, you know, it looks easy to him, you know, and it's, uh, it shouldn't be that way for a young guy like that. But he is so fluid and so smooth. And when he talks about stuff, like he was talking about uh, his matchup with Humphrey and how he was getting him just to slightly flip his hips and, and doing this and setting him up with that, I'm thinking, man, this guy is like, you know, just a handful of games into his career. And he's already at that level in terms of not only physically going out next year, but understanding why he's doing the things he's doing. You know, I mean, he, Barrow was right. Barrow said, look, you know, you got to take this guy as special. I mean, he's, he's like, he's the guy. And he was right on the money with this dude. He's, he's incredible. And they don't take him down one-on-one -on -one after the catch. We've seen it, Dan. I mean, he is thick from the waist down. Mm -hmm. This dude is a, is a running back that has world-class speed, you know. <laughs> But he's a wide receiver, you know, and the thing the thing about about him is, uh, you know, how he can track a football running full tilt like we talked about, and his head's not bobbing around and stuff. I mean, he's just so fluid and so still. He really is remarkable. He's he's a very unique, one of a kind kind of guy. This becomes a big time how you can handle success story now because they take on a Jets team that has one win, was not competitive against the Patriots on the road on Sunday. Bengals have to go back on the road and show that they are not, uh, you know, sniffing the roses after a performance like their win in Baltimore. That's true, and and um, it was interesting. A lot of guys were like, you know, this this is this is great, but we're, we're moving on. You know, we we got to do it again and again and again. You know, we have to go one and zero every week. I mean, they're they're all they're all. The first step is to verbalize it, and then you verbalize it enough, you start to understand it and believe it and uh and they're already in that process of like this is over with but the thing that i was telling a lot of the guys in there seeing them on the bus on the plane in the hotel lobby they're they're not cocky they're just they believe yeah they just believe i mean it was like we're coming here to take care of business get a win and go home nothing nothing more than that let's just go get it done i mean it's like it's really good to see. It really is. I mean, you certainly don't see anybody, uh, you know, whistling in the cemetery or anything like that. You know, you see guys out there that know that if they play well, they can beat anybody. I'm going to give you a little helpful advice as we wrap this up. And my advice is you're going to have to screen your phone calls this week because every sports radio host <laughs> in the country is going to want to have Dave Lapham on his show to talk about this 5-2 and two Bengals team. I don't know, Dan. I think we're going to have to share the same screen. You're going <laughs> to get hammered as well. There's no question about it. But that's a good, a good, thing, a good yeah. problem to have, isn't it? No question. It is Absolutely. a problem. I'll say yes. 5-2 and two is fun. 5-2 and two is, is our great time. A great time for sure.
Last time the Bengals won in Baltimore and in Pittsburgh in the same season was 2015. Not coincidentally, the last time that Cincinnati went to the playoffs. Now, time for this week's Fun Facts segment, where you get to know the person under the pads. Time for some Fun Facts with Bengals safety Ricardo Allen from Daytona Beach, Florida, a city known for the Daytona 500 and also known as the spring break capital of the world. But I don't know anybody that has lived there. What was life like in Daytona Beach for you growing up? Oh, life was, it was amazing. It was, uh, it was it's kind of like a, a, you would say it's kind of like a big city, but it's, it's kind of like small. It's, uh, a lot of people coming from um, vacation and then, like you said, a lot of uh, tourists come down there all the time. So you was able to bump into people from all different, you know, areas of the world, all different walks of life. But it was just really like a, a small town that I was able to just uh, walk around and kind of experiment um, within anything I want to. The, the beach side was always there, so I was able to always have that to uh, occupy my time and stuff. And just a, a small town that I, I really enjoy. You attended Mainland High School. The alma mater of basketball star Vince Carter, who in 2020 retired after a record 22 years in the NBA, like Vince, you had your uniform number retired at Mainland. What did that honor mean? That was a blessing because it's, um, it's been so many uh, very talented players come through my high school. And um, for me to be next to, you know, Vince Carter as one of the, the players to come out of Mainland High School to, you know, do something great for the community and just to get my, my jersey retired in general, man, just to even be next to a guy like Vince Carter is just uh, – something that I can never even, you know, like dream of because I remember when I was little and he used to have his football, his basketball camp there. Uh, I never was able to go, but uh, just being able to like watch him and just watch the way he moved, it was something that I always like uh, dream of. And it's kind of cool that uh, like I'm, I'm a professional athlete like, you know, he was at one point in time too. We're doing fun facts with Ricardo Allen. Because you're 5'9", the college football powerhouses in the state of Florida did not offer you a scholarship. Purdue did. In fact, current Bengals defensive coordinator Lou Anarumo recruited you there. Was moving to West Lafayette, Indiana an eye-opener? Yes. It it was uh, such a culture shock. But I think it was uh, one of the best culture shocks that I think I've ever had in my life. And... um, and it, all it was there was uh, cornfields. And uh, I'm coming from uh, Sunny Beach and just uh, tons of things to do. And when you go down to Purdue, it was, uh, it, it was, it was great for me at that time because it, it made me uh, single in my focus. I was able to just focus on football and myself and uh, getting my grades right because coming from, uh, you know, Florida education with no disrespect, it, it's nothing like a Midwest education. So uh, just being able to, you know, try to – up my game and you know my education level and also just you know being on my own for, for the first time in my life it was it was it was so different um so I would say for my first 18 years of my life I never left a, a five to ten mile radius of Daytona Beach so going to Purdue and going to West Lafayette Indiana leaving there to get on the plane was my first time ever getting on the plane so it was it was it was a change for me and now I'm here and it's, it's, it's been good you headed to the NFL before you had finished your degree, but you eventually went back and earned it. Why? Um, it's just something that I, I want to be able to, you know, I can't be that parent at home that's kind of like being tough on my babies and letting them know that, like, uh, everything that you start, you, you should finish. You know, even if you don't want to do it, even if uh, it's in the middle of a, a season and you don't really want to finish it and you start playing sports or anything, just anything we start in this family, we're going to finish. And um, 
it was important for me to later on if I want to be uh, the one who's leading my, my babies and leading my family and letting them know that uh, they need a degree and they need to go out and um, do something you know, right in this world, I want to be the one at least uh, leading the way. We're visiting with Ricardo Allen. The Atlanta Falcons drafted you in the fifth round. At the end of training camp, your first year, they cut you and put you on the practice squad. That in and of itself is not unusual, but in your case, the world saw it because it happened on hard knocks. Did that make it even tougher? Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was really tough because uh, it, it's not like uh, getting a door slammed in your face. It's not like hard enough already. It's like getting a door slammed in your face and everybody in the world is like uh, also watching it. And um, and I happen to be like one of those uh the, the characters in the show that uh, they follow until like the end. So I was one of the ones that everybody kind of was hoping to make the team and then it didn't happen. But it also, um, I've been cut on hard knocks and I've also lost the Super Bowl, you know, so um, I've had really tough things happen to me. And so I'm not really afraid of, you know, being embarrassed. I'm not really afraid of, you know, really like what um, my current situation may be because it's, it's not always like that. Uh, it's, um, you know, if you just keep, you know, grinding and you just keep your head down and you, uh, you know, keep refining your goals and know what you're sticking to, you know, it's, it's never about what the people are saying on the outside. Majority of the time it's about, um, like, what you truly are doing, you know, behind the closed doors and trying to uh, make the most of your opportunities and stuff. So it was tough at that time, but it has uh, built me to kind of, like, be calloused in a sense mm -hmm. to, you know, the outside uh, and, like, distractions in a sense. Bengals fans, unfortunately, know all about losing Super Bowls to greatest of all time type quarterbacks. In your case, Tom Brady, after you had a 25-point lead in that game. I know that pain never goes away, but what do you remember fondly about being on a team that made it? It, it was a, a collective effort from everyone within the organizations, the, uh, the, the players, the fans, just everybody was all in all year, and it was... Uh, it was a kind of detailed attention that uh, you typically sometimes just get at the beginning of the season until, let's say, five to ten games roll around and the records start to, like, settle out. Um, that intensity that we had, no matter the wins or the losses, to kind of, like, kept through the whole time. Everybody was making sure they was focusing on their diets. They was focusing on their bodies, how much sleep they were getting. Uh, do they know their plays? Are they playing as hard as they can? And, um, you know, also what I remember about, that team we called ourselves the Misfits because we was a bunch of people that we see, they just uh, picked us from all different parts of the world and put us together and we kind of like just made the most of it. Like we always said that, um, like we none of us are supposed to be here, but we gonna make the most of it every chance we get. So it was we just uh, kind of took like the bring it on kind of attitude. All right, a few wild card categories to wrap things up with Ricardo Allen. Ten years from now, are you an NFL head coach? Yes. I believe that uh, I write that down in, um, in my notebook, actually, right now. Um, I, I refine it all the time, and um, I, I write my goals down. I, um, I was listening to something, and it said that you should have five one-year goals, five three-year goals, and five ten-year goals. And um, in, in my ten-year goals, it is to be an NFL head coach and to be, you know, one of the better ones at it, too. So uh, that's something that I'm always refining. I'm always working at it, even as a player right now. I'm... Um, I'm always studying Zach. I'm studying um, Lou Anarumo. I'm studying when, why, and where, you know, they call it plays, like why they like it, you know, what type of team they're trying to build, um, you know, just just the, the smallest of details that I can while being on the inside, and I'm not the one who actually are, have pressure to put a team together. So 
I'm just studying as much as I can while playing football. And yeah, I know for sure. I, 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 I know I'm going to be a coach for sure. I, I pray that at that time I'm a head coach. I believe it's going to happen. As long as it's not Pittsburgh, Baltimore, Cleveland, <laughs> I will be rooting for your team. You are clearly good at a lot of things. What are you terrible at? A lot of things. <laughs> um, I'm not the best at basketball. I'm terrible at golf. Uh, I need to work on that. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm actually not a natural at anything in life. Mm. So uh, if I haven't, like, uh, I got, like, an obsessive personality. So whatever I uh, really like, I go all into it. So that's why I haven't started golfing or anything because I know if I get a set of golf clubs, I'm going to be in my backyard tearing up the grass all the time. So it's like right now I'm, I'm just kind of trying to save it as, as, as much as I can. So I'm bad at a lot of things right now, but I'll get a little better sooner than later. That golf bug is bad, trust me. It's cost me a lot of time. Final thing for Ricardo Allen. If you could meet anybody in history, athlete, actor, statesman, religious figure, whoever it might be, who would that person be? Maybe Jay-Z. Um, I, I really like uh, Jay-Z just because uh, he comes from kind of like a background like myself. Um, you know, I, I come from the projects. Uh, my mom, when we first moved to Daytona Beach, Florida, I'm actually born in uh, Louisiana. Mm. But when I was six months old, I moved to Daytona Beach, Florida. So uh, I always say that I'm born and raised in uh, Daytona Beach, Florida mm -hmm. because that's like my roots and stuff. Um, but when we first got down to Daytona Beach, uh, my mom single-parent mom started off in the projects and during those time it was uh, a lot of families in the project that end up uh you know families maybe hooked on like you know bad things and um and they didn't make it out of there so even so my mom just was able to get us to a better neighborhood and get us to a, a good school and stuff like that was uh she she put us in the right direction and um you know jay-z he comes from the projects and now i think he's one of the most influential people in the world you know he's uh you know, he, he kind of like is a maverick in the sense of he uh, his own trailblazer. So, uh, you know, he, he inspires me because, you know, he, he's achieved some things that a lot of people don't even think is like capable of a human being to achieve. So he, he is one of my guys and probably Warren Buffett, too. I know that was two of them, but I like Warren Buffett a lot, too. So, yeah. We'll give you two. There are plenty of room at the table for that uh, that dream lunch, so to speak. This has been great. It's awesome to have you on this team, and I look forward to uh, rooting for the team that you're the head coach of, as long as it's not in the AFC North, uh, in the years to come. Thanks for your time. Thank you. I appreciate you having me on. Here's an invitation to join Lap and me on location for the Bengals Game Plan Show this Wednesday night from 6 to 8. We'll be at Logos on Blue Ash Road, and we'll have lots of giveaways during the commercial breaks. That's going to do it for this episode of the Bengals Booth Podcast, brought to you by Ultimate Bengals, the free-to-play next-level fantasy football game. Download it now from the App Store and Google Play. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe to this podcast, and if you have a minute, give it a rating or share a comment. I'm Dan Horde, and thanks for listening to the Bengals Booth Podcast.